Hey, everybody, it's that time again. What? Nope, nope, cut. Hey, everybody, it's that time again. Today is August 22nd, 2021, and this is the 237 Podcast, a show where regular curious people discuss curiously irregular topics. I'll be your host, Travis Strickland. With me today are my co-hosts, Steve Birchall, Rob Webster, and producer Scott Dean. Today's discussion is centered around hypnosis and past lives, past life, life regression. As you can see, a five-minute break turned into 168 hours instead, but I needed the time because what we were getting into, I was having trouble wrapping my head around, and I didn't have very good questions to ask, but you know, I've had time to sit around and ruminate and think about what was going on and... We're ready to jump right back into it. So if you're not sure about what happened in the first episode, I'd invite you to go back and check that out. But for now, we're going to pick up where we left off, which was Steve has seen a UFO, had an encounter, and now it has led him down this path towards um, something that is seemingly maybe not connected, but in his mind it is. Um, it led him towards hypnosis and past lives. So, Steve, real quick, do you want to touch on um, the path, the transition that you went through from from one thing to another before we start getting into the people that you actually did the sessions with? Well, I think the transition for me was the fact that that thing was floating in the air, making no sound at all, and how do they get here? Are they traversing all these millions of miles, trillions of miles? Or is everything just here? And that's what, you know, when I found out about the hypnosis and started going down that path, that's really where my focus is now. What is reality? Okay. And and how do these things just appear in our skies? How do they show up on radar and then... Two seconds later, the object's 600 miles away. How do you, how do you feel about, um, as far as the, the UFOs, when it comes to did they travel all of this way or are, were they here all along? Where, where did you land on? Which side of the fence did you land on that? I think everything is here. Everything's here all the time? I think that uh, it's an illusion to think there's anything other than here. Okay. And... well. We can we can travel to the moon, but we're creating that illusion as we're going there. You know what I mean? Uh, the observer. But so Schrodinger's cat, right? I believe everything is here. There is no there. That nothing you know, and is going down deep. Nothing truly exists. So everything's right here. We are unaware. They are aware that we are unaware. And they know how to move through the matrix and be seen when they want to be seen, crash when they want to crash. They're trying to give us technology. You know, it's like Scott said, Jesus Christ, Steve, why would they traverse 20 trillion miles just to come here and crash? So the idea is more like they are, they're layered on top of us um, in a way that, so they coexist with us and they're just sort of layered on top of us, but they exist 
in a way that isn't perceivable to us. Right. I, I believe like dimensions. Right. Dimensions are, are not actual physical places. They're just outside of our five senses. Right. And some people, you know, like psychics and, and people that talk to the dead and people that tell the future and all that are just more attuned to what's outside of us. So at this point, you've got questions and you want some answers. Right. And it becomes a question of how do I get these answers? And that path leads you towards let's um, it, it led you towards the the books that you read by uh, what was that woman's name again? Dolores Cannon. Dolores Cannon. Okay, and she had a course, and you took that course, I and did. you found it very interesting. And it was like, okay, this seems like something that could be useful and interesting. And the only way I'm ever going to know is if I take what I've learned through this course and try to apply it right. and let's do that and let's see what the results are yep so what were the results well I, I like i said on the last episode i had a fellow that i talked to about the ufo subject and all that and then when i told him that i uh i just got done taking this course on past life regressions he's like sign me up so he came to my house the following weekend put him on the couch attached a microphone and recorder to him and uh started reading through this script that i was given in the course so you have all of this on tape oh, everything I that you I've, did. Got, I've got everything recorded yes. okay and uh as i'm going through the script everything that was described to me in the course you know the way the eyes move the feeling the looks on people's faces as they go into hypnosis that was happening and then the next thing i know this guy's in World War Two, And as the story progressed along, you know, he, he decided, ah, I can't kill people. I'm deserting. And he did. And I said, well, what's going to happen with you? He goes, I know they'll come get me. And they did come get him. And then they brought him and they threw him in jail. And he's describing all the sights, the sounds, the smells, what's going through his mind at the time of being imprisoned. And I'm just goosebumped. I'm, I'm sold. Because there's no way, and you guys know this guy, there's no way this guy could make all that stuff up. Yeah. You know? And uh, anyways, you know, he went through about three of these lives, and I, I worked him through each one, got some pertinent information. Then I was taught that we all have a higher being. Okay, and you learned this through the course? I learned it through the course. I learned it reading the books that we all have a higher self, a higher guidance. That's what gives us the intuition and all that. There's many different names. Your subconscious, you know, your higher self, whatever names are out there for it. Your future self. And uh, you, you ask permission to speak to this higher self. And I brought this being forward. And here's a funny thing. In all the books that I was reading, they always referred to I am. Okay. And, and you know, you hear this and all that. And I said, may I, may I ask who I'm speaking with? And, the, and what came out was I am. And I was just floored. And uh, anyways, of course, I asked, you know, why did you show... Uh, Daryl these particular lifetimes and it explained 
and also explained that, you know, he's in the wrong occupation because his body wasn't set up to be a mechanic and that he would eventually get into the computer industry, which would lead him lead him on to his long-term goals so these are the the things that the higher self is or has been and still probably is trying to convey to this person who's in a hypnotic state right you know constantly so it's something that they probably intuitively know but if you just talk to them on the street they might not necessarily let you in on yeah i mean through all my sessions that I, and, and, and i haven't done a lot of sessions that's not my forte, really, is doing the past life. That was more of an experiment on my side. Would I like to do more? Yes, but I don't really push it. I don't have business cards. I don't advertise. And, uh, but, uh, at the very end of the session, I asked, is there anything for me? And, uh, I'll tell you verbatim what it said, and, and this is kind of what, what really shocked my world. It said, you have done more for Daryl than you will ever realize. You are a gatherer. You gather the sleeping and awaken them. You are a very old soul. You are akin to what we call a shepherd. You know, you know. And at that point, I'm like, I feel like I know stuff that I just don't know. And then through all the other sessions, you know, uh, and and we'll touch on all these as time comes along, what I hear, I've heard from different people. But, you know, just to cut things short a little bit, you know, I found out who was in the UFO, why they were there. They were there to awaken me. And they knew that by them showing themselves to me, that uh, I'd be on a path to sitting here talking about it with everybody. So do you think that you were on the wrong course and it was just a matter of necessity that something had to happen to bring you towards the course that you were meant to be on? Is it is it that kind of thing? Yeah, I would have never... I would have never gone down this on my own. There's no way. You know, I, did I disbelieve in UFOs and stuff like that? I, I never, you know, it would come up in conversation, you know. Of course, you know, all these planets out there, I never thought that there was no other life. I wasn't one of those. Um, I never thought there was a God, first of all. And I didn't believe all the dogma that, you know, and we, talked about that in the first episode but without the ufo showing up over top of me we wouldn't be having this conversation sure now i'd just be the tool guy and and uh i would probably be the guy backing off the truck if somebody else was telling me what i'm telling everybody now these hypnosis sessions that you've done have you ever asked them if they're religious or how religious they are the people i'm hypnotizing um. Yeah, usually that's one of the first things I ask. Are, are you religious? Mm. You know, because uh, I let everybody know, and I've told you, you know, it, it's going to rock your world. It will change who you are. I only ask that because the term I am, if I'm not mistaken, is in the Bible. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. As 
what God describes himself as. Right. Yep. It's like this question of what are you? And you think you're going to get this long, drawn-out answer of, well, my name is this. I'm from here. Yep. I was born in this year. This is my purpose. This is what I do for work. You know, and instead, you just get this, I am. Yep. And, it's, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, huh. Well, and, then, and, and I only bring that up because if, if the person that you're hypnotizing is religious or partly religious or has even seen the, the uh, Ten Commandments with uh, the older one from the 50s, um, all of that's in there. You know what I mean? Yep. So is that the subconscious telling you what you want to hear? Their subconscious. Well, I mean, if it's telling me and his and himself, well, it's probably been telling people over the eons. It's probably what Jesus taught. <laughs> you know, really. Am I answering the question? Uh, well, you already answered my question about whether or not you ask them if they're religious. I'm just wondering if where this term I am is coming from. Because that was a major factor in you. That that sort of uh, functioned as confirmation bias when you heard that I am, because that's something you had heard before. Yeah, That's I, something that you expected to hear, and you didn't lead into it. You just naturally asked the question that you were supposed to ask, and it got this question, it got this answer that seems to be fairly universal. Yeah, all I did was said, May I ask who I'm speaking with? Yeah. And it came through, I am. And I did read that because it came through in a lot of the other sessions, that in Dolores Cannon sessions. Yeah. Was you're speaking to the I am. Well, it's an interesting response because, like I said, that's not the response. If you asked me who I am, that my answer wouldn't be I am. Right. You know? And, I mean, I would have never thought of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if anything, the tendency would be to over-explain but that's that takes the opposite approach where it's just like, yeah. And and to before we get too much into these individual sessions and what every what everyone said, when you were doing, when you were conducting these interviews, you never did it with the purpose of talking about it on a podcast publicly. No, no. So you no. never really disclosed um, that that was never your intention. So obviously, you never disclosed that that's eventually where it was going to come up or where you were going to talk about it. So anyone that's listening to this is wondering, why aren't you telling us the specifics of, you know, who these people are and how you know them, what their names are and, and things like that? It's because we haven't really cleared it with them. We would have to actually go back. And, and if any of them are listening to this and they want to out themselves and they want to come on the show and talk about it from their perspective, I think everyone here would love to hear that. Oh, yeah. But in the meantime, probably best to just stick to you generalities. Know, yeah, keep we'll keep it general. We're not we're not trying to out anyone or make anyone uncomfortable. Well, and I, I will say this: there's a lot of good videos out there. I've never posted any of these things online, but uh, people can go check out Alba Weinman. Um, she's got hundreds of great great videos. She's a she's a true professional in this and um matter of fact i took a course with her as well as antonio's sangio it's actually antonio's course and alba helps him out and he's got a lot of great videos online if anybody wants to check those out and then there's a lot of people like me that took 
either this course or there's many other courses out there. And if you want, you think people are, you know, uh, maybe asking leading questions and all that, go listen to some of these things. Sure, yeah. You know, don't don't jump to conclusion before you, you know your facts. Um, and I'd be, I'd love to hear, you know, if anybody does come up with some leading questions. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, I mean, you can, you can, cause you can definitely do that, um, especially if you have somebody that's a friend of yours and they want you to, you know, like them socially and they, they feel like a pressure to go, you know, just go with what you're saying or to, to bend to your will if they feel like you're, you have some type of authority over them, which, I mean, you are the, you are the interviewer interviewing the interviewee. So there is kind of a dynamic there where, you are sort of over them in a way. Um, so if you do start asking leading questions, it would stand to reason that they might naturally just acquiesce to whatever it seems like you're fishing for. Yeah, the, only, thing. the only questions that I ask besides what do you see and what do you hear, where are you, what year is it, besides those questions, when we go into these sessions, people come with questions. You know, can I speak with my grandmother? You know, why was I adopted? Wasn't one of them, will I win the lottery? No, nobody's ever asked that, you know. But I've heard that come up in other sessions. And and, uh, Do you ask those questions before the session begins, or is this during the session? I I get a list of questions that somebody comes, you know, when they say, yeah, I'd love to have a session with you. Uh I say, get a list of questions that you have regarding, I said, a lot of the questions that people automatically want to know is what's my purpose why am i here what's the purpose of existence um am i in the right job uh am i married to the right person or will i find the right person you know just standard questions that like that and then some get into some personal questions you know why was my mom cruel to me as as a kid or why did my mom leave you know my dad raised us and a lot of that stuff will come up and you know uh, it's funny the answers that they actually receive is because you chose that stuff. You chose that you to come into a life where mom would leave when you're six years old, and that makes you the person that you're going to grow up to be to deal with the shit that you're going to deal with in life. Now, now that's a different subject. That's a different subject. It but, is. But that's why... But the point of it is... That's the sort of thing that comes through. Yeah, the point of it is, though, you're not setting out on this, if you think of it like a, for a metaphor, if you're thinking of it like a fishing expedition, you're not just going out in the dark with unfamiliar territory with a random you know, assortment of tackle and just dropping a line in the water and you have no idea what you're fishing for and you have no idea where to even start. You're... Before you go into the session, you're sort of establishing a guide. And the way that you do that is you you ask the person beforehand, what are some questions that you're interested in? So that once you have them under, you have questions to ask that will be relevant to them later when they listen back to the session. Believe it or not, this is all meant to be a healing session. And what I mean by healing is... Give people an understanding of why things have happened to them. You know, give them another perspective on why did that take place. Well, it's because you're supposed to learn something from that and then take that 
to go on to your next step. You know, it's not just, you know, not just a game. You know, like one of the last guys I, I, I hypnotized, he never told me he had PTSD. What he came to me for was pure curiosity was the main thing he came because he didn't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he wanted to quit smoking. And I'll make this quick. Rob's heard this. You, you, all of you guys have heard this, but the, the viewers haven't heard this. It, it brought him into some past lives, so he got to see that, and that made him a believer. Um, so we got to the point of asking questions and all that, and I said I said, uh, I said uh, he would like to quit smoking. Is this something you can help him with today? And they said no. <laughs> Which just floored me. I mean, of course they want you to quit smoking. Yeah, you would you know? think. Yeah. And uh, I was taught, you know, you don't argue with them. If they say no, that it means no. So I went on to the next question. I said, I said, well, he would like, uh, he's got some anger issues, and he would like to be a better father and husband. Is that something you can help him out with today? And they said yes. Okay, but well, not if he quits smoking, because then he's going to beat somebody. Well, let me let me just we'll get to that. So they did whatever it is they do, and a couple days later, you know, after the session was over, a couple days later, his boss calls me up and says, "What the hell did you do to so and so?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Man." At least 10 times a day, he's cussing, throwing wrenches, going off the deep end. We have to pull him aside and just tell him to breathe and all that. And he said, man, the last two days, he's been cool as a cucumber. Nothing. So that week, when I go in there, he's as cool as a cucumber. He's all about the session. He can't wait to do another one and this and that. And he says, by the way, I can't even stomach smoking a cigarette. And now it's been two years, and he has yet to ever smoke another cigarette. And the deal was, it wasn't, the addiction was caused by the anger and the PTSD that I later on found out he had. Because about two or three weeks later, he says to me, he goes, you know, Steve, I've uh, I've been going to see a counselor because, you know, he's ex-military. He did, like, three tours in Iraq and Vietnam, or not Vietnam, but Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. And uh, he goes, I've been seeing a counselor for the last five years. And uh, he goes, that one session did more for me than all those. He goes, but I couldn't tell them that I'm cured because then I'd lose all this money I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I don't even want a cigarette. He goes... I just feel so calm and I love my family and I love my kids and I love my wife. And to me, that's what it's all about. Sure. That's what it's about. I didn't know that's what it was about. I got into this over curiosity and then found out I was actually helping people and found out I get excited about that. Yeah. You know so what that, I mean? that's what you make of it. It's like um, when you ask, can you help him stop smoking? It wasn't, maybe it wasn't the, that the answer was no. It was, you're asking the wrong question. Right. And then once you ask the right question of, can you help him with his anger problem? 
He's like, yes, I can help with that. And not only that, but the reason he's smoking so much is because he's using it as a crutch to try to deal with these other problems. Well, and it's funny that you, you say that because it took me a long time to figure out that I'll just say the other side, or you can call it the higher self, or you can call it God, whatever you want to do. But the other side will only give you information if you've taken time to formulate the right question. They don't have time for bullshit over oh, there it's just like on, a, on the other side. It's just like a psychic, you know, your brother George just got murdered here a couple of years ago, and let's go see a psychic and find out who killed George. And you go see the psychic, and she pulls through your brother, and your brother never tells you who killed him. Well, why is that? It's because we're in the game, they're out of the game, and you don't give the answers to the game away. If it was meant for this guy to get caught, he'll get caught, and then he's got to play out his game. So that's why... The other side doesn't just give everybody the answers, you know. Well, Steve, just look under that piece of paper, and there's a $100 bill waiting for you. They're not going to do that. You have to stumble across a piece of paper and pick it up and find out, yeah, there is a $100 bill under here. Does that make sense? It does, but it makes the kind of sense that um, religion makes when people ask, why does God allow terrible things to happen kind of thing. It kind of follows along those lines where it's like, well, he's got a higher... He's got they, you. God works in mysterious ways, kind of thing. <laughs> it kind of follows along those that that line of logic. Yeah, but it's, you know, this ain't about a god, a dogmatic god. Nobody's nobody's keeping track of us. Nobody's keeping an eye on us. Now, do we have guides and stuff? Yes, I believe we have guides, and just to help us get, you know, go down our path and. Which is our intuition. You know, ah, maybe you shouldn't go to that party tonight. And then the next day you find out, you know. I'm big on intuition. Right. So I, I that, strongly believe in intuition, and I, I definitely lean towards my intuitions anytime that I have them, which isn't always, but when I do have them, I, I definitely take those seriously. Yeah, we're all connected to our higher being and other higher beings who are here to help us. We're always connected. It's whether we choose to intuitively listen to them. You know what I mean? You're not going to hear a voice in your head. It's going to be feelings yeah. that you get. You know, eh, I just don't feel good about this, and you don't do it. Or you do do it, and it sends you down a, a, another path. That not saying, you know, it's going to send you down a path that's bad or good or bad. They don't look at things as good or bad. They don't look at things as right or wrong. They look at everything as experience, you know, the experience of, you know, getting cancer you know well why the hell would anybody want that it's an experience if you live forever you know just like groundhog day yeah if he knows he's going to wake up in the morning why not take the truck off the cliff you know what i mean why not try it yeah i think um you know intuition too is like um it's kind of like a muscle where if you ignore your intuitions constantly, then it that muscle atrophies and eventually you won't have intuitions. Whereas if you tend to act on your intuitions, that muscle gets you know stronger and then you end up getting stronger intuitions. And the more you follow them, the, the, the stronger that that gets. Um, as far as the 
interviews went as far as taking people through past lives because that's one of the things we said we were going to talk about not just hypnosis but the past life regression thing specifically because i'm not entirely sold on past lives um as far as i know i haven't had any past lives that's not something that i've ever you know uh clung to or felt like that lined up perfectly with you know, my, my outlook on life and, and, and what I believe in. Well, and technically, they're not past lives. Okay, say more. Technically, all lives are happening at one time. Time is an illusion. Time is a creation of us. We are creating time and putting things in the order. We think things happen. We actually, throughout all of this, we're editing. We're changing the past. We're changing our future. Our future is changing us. Um, you're technically not seeing a past life. You're just seeing another life. Yeah, time Time is an interesting one. We could definitely have a, a whole discussion on time and what is time. Well, the day you were born <laughs> is happening right now. So if I took you back to the day you were born and saw you coming, saw yourself coming out of your mom, that's not a past event. It's taking place right now at the moment, which also, you know, this will be another topic, mm. but it's just like a daydream. You know, you sitting there, and next thing you know, you're off in la-la land. Well, where's la-la land? Or did you just time travel for a second? I want to jump back into time, but before we do... I want to I want to go back to the past life regressions, and I want to I want to ask the question um, during any of these times because you said the one guy he had an experience from where, that he was describing from like World War II. During any of these past life regressions, did you ever um, try to follow up on them to like so like take the specific details of what someone mentioned and then see if they lined up with anything? When you look through, like, did you ever Google the history of what they were talking about in the specific time when they were talking about any names that they might have dropped, the names of any places? Did you ever go back and actually try to confirm? I have. I have. Did you find anything? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I specific? mean, I, I had a few that, uh, like, uh, one guy that was up, his, his whole, his life started, he was up to his knees in snow in Switzerland, homeless. He was estranged from his wife and two kids. And then as things progressed along, he got his bearings back together. He ended up in Maryland where he was a bookie. Okay. And then the mob came and his his brother had stolen some money. He was living with his brother. His brother had stolen some money that we found out actually came from the mob. And the mob wanted their money back, and they they end up killing this guy. Okay. And, of course, he explains where he goes to right after the bullet hits him in the head and stuff like that. But as far as as fact-checking on it. But as far as fact-checking, I didn't find that particular guy. And not knowing if I even spelt his name, he had a... You know, I, who knows whether I could spell the name right. But I found the town and, and you know, some of that stuff kind of lined up. But, you know, you and I were talking before the podcast. 
the one thing that I've come to realize because, you know, I had some conflicts going on about some of this stuff and why some things didn't seem to line up is because if time doesn't exist, there's many, we exist in many, many other times doing the exact same thing, slightly different. So who knows what timeline these were in. Well, before we go on to time, I want to talk about this one article, and I think it was, Scott, was it you that sent this article through Facebook where it was talking about the uh, the four-year-old kid from, I think he was from Maryland, um, where he believed that he had a past life, and he was giving off all these details um, about who he believed he used to be and where he was, and he had all these, like, really intricate details that he was giving, and then they later started looking into it and started confirming some of the things he was saying. There's there's not just that one case. Right now there's probably five or 600 children that that they've gone through, and, and almost all of them, about the time they start to talk, they start talking about their past lives mm-hmm. that they aren't who who their parents are saying they are they're, they're normally they'll have night terrors and wake up either experiencing dying or, or some part of their life that was tragic gives them these night terrors they wake up they remember that then they talk about it during the day and almost all of them at this point, at some point in investigating their storylines, their storylines fall in line with whoever they describe them being in their past life. And the information is there. Mm-hmm. There's one really good one with the, with a kid who was a fighter pilot in World War II. And the father literally tracked down all the people, and uh, you know there was one there was one part where they went to, I think it was Hawaii, and one of the people that the kid knew in the past live, they were getting on an elevator, and that gentleman was there, had not met the kid yet. The kid had not met him yet, and the kid immediately called him by name, hmm. and knew who he was. And they had never met before. Okay. I mean, that when you start looking into these, there's there are things that happen with these children that are that there's no possible way they could know this stuff, know the people, know the locations. I mean, this kid grew up drawing fire, World War Two aircraft when he was two years old, three yeah. years old. Well, I don't doubt that he's. <laughs> saying what's you know any of these kids are just saying what's in their heads i guess the question would be what how do we draw a distinction between a kid who is perhaps picking up on something that's just you know sort of informational you know floating through the air that you know picking up consciousness or picking up some some sort of signal Versus them actually reliving a lifetime where it's, you know, how do you draw a distinction between reincarnation versus just having someone else's life play through your head for some other reason? Uh, 
I think it's interesting because, I, you know, years ago, I've, I've been in the, all of this for years and years and years. And years and years ago, I was having a conversation with a guy about this subject. And it's like, you know what, why don't we all remember our past lives? You know, if, it's, if past lives are real, why don't we remember it? And he immediately came back and went and told me, he said, look, the two most traumatic things you'll ever experience in your life are dying and being born. Those are such traumatic experiences, dying and being born, that it erases all of your previous memories. It's like somebody getting in a, in a major accident and coming down with amnesia. Mm-hmm. Their brains literally block out the traumatic event and erase everything before that. The information's still there. It never went anywhere. Their brain just cuts it all off and says, nope, I'm not dealing with this. It's your mind protecting you. Yeah. So that you can still function. So that you can still function. If you came into this life remembering every life that you ever had, how would you deal with that? How, how would you as a person develop into the person you should be in this life and have new, unique experiences? Wouldn't you go back and try to freaking find all your old friends, all your old hanging places and it would be an impossible thing you wouldn't you wouldn't live a new life you would just be stuck in a perpetual wheel of trying to relive your own life your old life over and over and over again and what would be and and that's that thing you know it's like i've moved all over the country lived in multiple cities had so many friends and every single time i've moved from one place to another and went back to where i came from hooked up with all those friends, it was never the same. They were no longer actually my friends anymore because they had moved on with their lives. You can't go home. You can't go back and just think that, and and it's so easy to think that you can just go back and everything's going to be the same, and it never is. So, I mean, it it, it could be, that could be what's going on. It's, It's just a protective thing going on with us as humans saying you can't go do that. Well, and they also say that, you know, when women give birth, that they never remember the pain. Because if they did, none of us would be sitting here having a podcast. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't do it again. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, that's, that's a crazy thing. I mean, I, got, I actually got freaking in a bunch of arguments about, the, you know, pain is an illusion. And there's a really simple reason why I say that, because you cannot remember pain. You can remember that something was painful, but you can never remember the pain. Well, there's no doubt that when it comes to human memory, we always, all of us, I don't care who you are, we tend to think about the future. Gino. We tend to think about the future as being more negative than it probably actually is, and we also tend to remember the past as something better than what it actually was, you know, hence nostalgia. So, all right, but before before we get into any more uh, discussion about past lives, I want to go through, because I, I really have only looked into this as far as this one article that you guys sent to me, and this was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, this kid, um, I think... I think he was in Maryland, if I have that correct, uh, where he was born. Uh, His mother was a very conservative 
uh, Christian, had no belief system based in reincarnation whatsoever. So she naturally had a lot of hesitancy with all of this stuff. And uh, basically the kid started talking about this subject when he was four years old. And um, the details of what he was saying, um, he started out saying that he was born or he was his his earliest memories of his past life started in the 1920s in Hollywood that's kind of where where it led off and then he started mentioning actresses uh from that time period uh Rita Hayworth specifically as well as well as uh Mae West and I don't know who either one of those people are but they are historical figures from that time period in that area um so he also mentioned things like he was very well traveled uh he took vacations in Paris um, he was a dancer on Broadway. He worked for some agency. So there were, there were times when he would mention things that were not so specific, and there were other times where he was just, like, locked in, lightning, focused on remembering very specific details. Um, he also said that he lived on a street with the word rock in it. So, again, you know, kind of, kind of vague on, on certain things. But it turned and out there was a rock in the name of the street. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, we're, sort of. we're going to get to it because I, I took some notes on this because I, I wanted to look over it uh, through the eyes of a skeptic because I, I feel like that is one perspective that we need to make sure is represented on everything that we talk about here. I don't sure. want to just automatically agree on everything or just buy into you know everything that everyone believes. I don't think there's anything to be gained from doing that. Right. So... Uh, the, the mom, she gets curious because her kid is saying all of these, you know, strange things. And I would certainly be curious if, you know, my kid started going off on, on these types of, uh, tangents and I'd want to check it out. And she wanted to disprove it. That was kind of the, that's kind of where she was operating from where, you know, if I can just convince this kid that everything he's saying is nonsense, then he'll, he'll just let it go. We can just accept that he was having a dream Kids have wild imaginations, and that's all this is. That's what she seemed to want to believe. So she goes to the library, and she starts digging up stuff about Hollywood from this time period. And uh, she comes across a photo of a movie poster for the movie Night After Night. And this has a photo of a man standing on the side, and the kid immediately jumps up and says, That's me, the guy in that photo right there. Um, that that is that was my past life. That's who I was in a past life. And um, they immediately go to work. So the mom's like, all right, now I just got to find out who this guy was. And then I can prove that everything you're saying about him is nonsense and isn't based in reality. And then we can move on with our lives. So they go to work and trying to trying to investigate who this guy is. Do you have it pulled up here? Uh, part of it. And. Basically, a doctor, this saying, Dr. Jim Tucker, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences at the University of Virginia, studied the cases of children, usually between the ages of two and six years old, who say they remember a past life. In his book, Return to Life, Tucker details some of the more than 2,500 cases he has studied over the years, including Ryan, which is the, the boy we're talking about right now. So he's somewhat of an authority on the subject, and this is right where he comes into the picture. 
So they start going to work on trying to figure out who the guy in this picture is because it's not, even though there's a picture of him and within that picture there's a list of many of the actors and actresses that were in this movie, this guy's name is not mentioned. One of the names that is mentioned is Mae West, who is one of the actresses that the kid remembered and was talking about back when he was four years old. So now it's getting a little spooky, and they're like, all right, we got to figure out who this guy is. And it takes them a while, but they eventually find out the guy goes by the name of Marty Martin. And the kid said, you know, he was an actor, but apparently Marty Martin was barely an actor. He was an extra. He appeared in a couple of things. Um, He was more known for being an agent, um, like a, a Hollywood agent. At that time, that time period, that was, and he was actually a pretty powerful agent. He uh, he had a, a good bit of money. He married into some wealthy families. He had a nice home and everything like that. He's from Philadelphia originally, which the kid didn't mention. But what he did mention, they were able to confirm fifty-five of the specific details about the man's life based on what the kid said. Problem is. The kid said a lot of things, and over the course that this that this occurrence was studied, it spanned across five years, or excuse me, um, twelve years, nine years, nine years. Okay, so yeah, four years old, four years old to thirteen. So we've got we've got nine years of this kid talking about this subject. When he was thirteen, he let it go, and we haven't really heard much from him since. Um, over the course of that time, and it wasn't it wasn't lab- it wasn't like listed out specifically when he made which claims, but over the course of it, uh, it was revealed that he made over two hundred claims. Now, that's a lot of claims, and it also didn't say specifically how many over two hundred claims. So it could have been two hundred and ninety nine. It could have been two hundred and one. All they said in in the article that I read was over two hundred. But one thing he did say. It, it it showed in the historical record that this guy died at the age of 58, and the kid said he was 62. And then when they actually dug into it, he was 62 when he died. Well, I so wanted it was to, public yeah. knowledge that he, that he was 58 when he died. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get to that. Um, the, the, the other interesting one was that he said he had two sisters, and when they contacted his the family from the the person he thought he was, Marty Martin. The the family that he talked to, that like one of this the this one the one sister that everybody knew about, they talked to her daughter, and her daughter was like, "No, nobody ever knew that 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 there was another sister." So they went in and actually pulled all of the old records and found out that he did have two sisters, and the other sister had moved away at very young. And the family just never talked about her. So nobody else in the family knew at that point in time that there were that there were actually two sisters there. That's pretty specific for this kid to know about a sister that nobody else knew about. And you guys are exactly right um, that both of those things did happen. Steve, you, you did get the numbers wrong. You said 58 and 62. It was actually 59 and 61, but you're yeah. right. Well, you know, I just got to keep and, and that was up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and well, and, and that one be was because he during his life he actually had told people he was younger than he was. Yeah, they had to pull his original birth certificate to find that date. 
Well, so he was as far in, as everybody else knew, he was the age he was telling everybody, but on his birth certificate, his actual birth certificate is where they went, nope, yeah, he was actually this old when he died. Well, yeah, shocker, a guy in Hollywood lies about his age. Yeah. That wasn't uncommon at the time, and actually he changed his name. His original name was Marty Kalinsky. He changed it to Marty Martin as, you know, a, a Hollywood name because he thought it would play better. This was also during, you know, the World War II era, so Kalinsky... You know, he might be related to Marky Mark. (laughs) Who knows? But uh, so anyway, the point is he did. He made a lot of claims and it was over 200 claims. And now they said that they they were able to the way that they framed it was we were able to confirm 55 of these claims. The other 150 or so, not necessarily that they were untrue. We just weren't able to prove them. We weren't able to substantiate them because there weren't a lot of records because this guy really wasn't that famous. Like I said, he was just an extra in a couple of movies, and he worked for a, uh, a uh, agency as, a, uh, as an agent. Um, as far as the detail with that we touched on earlier, the address with a rock in it, which was one of his more vague details... They found out that the guy, one of the places he lived at, the guy had many addresses. That, that'd be the first thing. One of the addresses that, that he lived at um, for the longest span of time was 825 North Roxbury Drive. So they took that as a confirmation, which, okay, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not the best, but it, it's not nothing either. Uh, so you, I guess you can kind of take that how you will. Um, he also... He listed things like um, the guy's favorite soda was True Aid, and True Aid is a soda that doesn't exist now, or at least if it does, I've never heard of it. But supposedly, anecdotally, according to the guy's granddaughter, that was his favorite soda. Now we have to take her word for that. We obviously can't uh, ask so- him. Sounds like something you'd take before a colonoscopy. <laughs> it couldn't hurt. <laughs> So other things that he guessed would be like um, car colors. He said that he drove a green car and his wife drove a very nice black car. That was confirmed. Now, odds are the man probably owned many cars over you know throughout his life, and the wife probably did too. But at some time or another, he, he did own a, a green car and his wife did own a black car. He also guessed things like the hair color of his mother. He said that she had... Uh, brown curly hair which okay you know this was um marty kalinsky so yeah his mom probably did have brown curly hair that that doesn't you know but also they didn't know the guy's name they they were operating off the assumption that his name was marty martin um they guessed things like hobbies but those hobbies were things like going to the beach and watching surfers which if you live in beverly hills okay you know so it, it, it's not that it, he, he guessed things like um, he had an African-American maid, which, you know, in, in the 1920s and 30s, if you're rich, that probably lines up. If you he, he owned a piano in his house was another thing that he got correct. Well, who who the hell didn't? You know, he had a pool in his backyard. Yeah, most rich people do. So there were a lot of things, a lot of these 55 claims that were kind of like, all right, you know, you were guessing. And especially if you only have to get 50 out of 200, that's a 1 in 25 chance. So if you're just spinning a bunch of, you know, stuff off the top of your head. But another thing that that begs the question is, 
why would a little kid make all this stuff up? I mean, what's in it for him? Little kids. Now, that's what little kids do. I don't know. I had three little kids, and they never made stuff like that up. Attention? Your kids never wanted your attention? Yeah, but they didn't make up like a whole other lifetime. You know? Hey, you're not my mom and dad. My mom and dad are... Some kids want more attention than others. Yeah. Well, that's true. As for the spookiest things that he did, the specific cases, you guys already touched on the big two, and these are the two that um, brought this story to the forefront of the past lives discussion and kind of made this case one of the crown jewels of, of past lives. And that was, again, he said he made a claim that, you know, I don't know why someone would die. You know, why, why would I have to die at the age of 61 just to be brought back as a child? And when they went back and looked at the guy's death certificate, they found out that actually he was 59 when he died. And people went, oh, well, crap, I guess, I guess we got him now. You know, he, he got that one wrong. So then they did a little bit of digging and come to find out that the guy was, in fact, born in 1903. He died in 1964, which would have made him 61. So the kid nailed it. So that was, that was one area where um, that, that gave everyone, uh, it gave the story a little more juice. And then also, just like Scott said, um, the granddaughter that they were getting most of this information they were using to fact check all the stuff that the kid was saying the granddaughter as far as she knew only knew of one sister that the guy had but the guy uh, but the kid was adamant that he had two sisters and through some digging they found out that in fact there was a second sister um so that was also something that is very hard to explain that's so a, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's the the thing with 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 all of these is that there's enough there to go. Oh man, that kid freaking nailed it! So past lives, you know, we must have multiple lives. And then on the flip side of it, you're going, ah, you know, he could just be just lucky, a, a really lucky guesser at that age. Yeah, you know. I'm one. I'm, I will always be that skeptical person until I'm sitting there with that kid. You know, I meet that kid that's two years old, and he starts talking about this stuff, and I'm there watching him talk about and go through what his past lives were. Then I'd be like, okay, now I'm seeing it real time, real life, and I can go pack check all this myself so when i'm reading it on you know hearing these stories and reading this it's real easy to just blow it off but at the same time i'm going there's some stuff here that if it's real it's real and you can't dispute it there's still that part of me though that goes yeah you know what you know (laughs) another one that's uh under that same doctor is the kid in india and he claimed that he he was an incense maker. He gave the family name, where they lived, and he was murdered. And he had his, I think, his right ear cut off right before he was murdered. And he was born without that ear. And they went there, and he he gave details on. So where was the kid, and where where did he claim to be from? He he was 
in another town in India. Okay, so it was India, but this happened in another place in India. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, he took him right to the family home, and, you know, it's all on on uh, on video. Mm-hmm. And uh, gave details about all his brothers and sisters, who they were and all that, and they, they found these people, and... and uh, you know, I'm not saying everything lined up. I can't remember the case, you know, every detail of the case. But I do remember that in this life, he's born without that ear that was cut off in the last life. And that uh, the family are incense makers. And, I mean, did everything that this kid said they, they did. Mm. And even, and I think even said, who killed him? He did give that information. Yeah. You know, and... uh well, I haven't I haven't looked into that story. I don't know about how many claims that he made versus how many were confirmed. I don't know statistically how many incense makers there are in India. You know, I there's a how whole, many how many one eared incense makers yeah, there are in India. There's a couple hour uh, thing a documentary about all this. I think on Amazon Prime. That I, would be worth checking out. Yeah, and I don't have the uh, name of that. And I think the viewers, if they haven't seen. This is also on Amazon Prime. It's called The Great Beyond Revealed, which talks about what Scott brought up earlier about the kid that uh, went down in World War II. And there's also a book written by the kid's father. Now, you can get 99% of what you want out of the video, but what the book details is all the man hours that this guy put in to track down the people that he was in, 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 in World War II with, as well as his one remaining sister that was still alive and pictures and all that. And uh, it's a great story. If anybody wants to just, I don't know, get high and sit there and watch a good video, that's well, one to do it. Well, on that note, for anybody who's actually interested in this and any people whose kids and most of the children that are experiencing this start to experience it sometime between the ages of two and five. And some of the things that the types of statements that child may say is, you're not my mommy or daddy. I have another mommy or daddy. When I was big, I did this. I drove a truck or I worked at this job or I did this type of thing. Uh, What happened before I was in my mommy's tummy? And I, uh, I used to be a truck driver. I used to do this. Or remember we when we lived in this other house and I had a, a different mo- daddy or I had a different mommy. Uh, advice to parents of children reporting memories of previous lives. Uh, Dr. Jim Tucker, we talked about him. He's actually a, a psychiatrist where they can find at the University of Virginia in the Division of per- Perceptual Studies. And uh, if you do have a kid doing having these type of experiences, it would probably be a good idea to reach out to this doctor and have a discussion with him. And you know, because that, that those type of memories, real or not, could have a traumatic effect on a child. And having somebody that's actually dealing with these things can help that child deal with this stuff in a productive way and live through it and come out of it being an okay person instead of wandering around his whole life going, what the hell? Am I freaking insane? Am I crazy? Uh, 
Well, not only that, but based on what I was reading, it seems like the kids, once they get old, they tend to just sort of let the thing go. Like, it really seems to be on the forefront of their minds. When they're children. When they're children. It's, like, so sharp and vivid. And then as they get older, it's like they settle into their new life, and they sort of just let all the other stuff go. But even then, even if it's not helping the kid, you know, move forward, what it is doing is giving us more data so that, you know, to study this – this type of you know these type of subjects the more data we have the better and that's true whether the claims get substantiated or whether they get debunked either way it's good data it's good to it's good to be able to have you know uh, subjects to study and, you know, and and just the fact someplace like the university of virginia is actually looking into these types of things well and also they have near-death experiences uh, lady that deals with that they've got a department for all sorts of paranormal normal stuff so if anybody's got any wants to dig into any of this stuff that's a good website to start with well i want to dig into this stuff and that's where i want to leave this discussion um the only lens that any of us have to view the world through is through our own eyes, right? So everything is a projection based off of our own genetics and our own experiences. So if you're a person who has never had the feeling that you've had a past life, then none of this is really going to resonate with you. And I'm one of those people to an extent where I'm having a hard time buying into this stuff. It's not that I feel like I'm, I can definitely prove that it's not real, but because I haven't had the experience, I feel like I don't really have, or, or the fact that I've never even tried to have the experience, and that's what I'm getting to, Steve. I would be interested in having you hypnotize me and see if you can take me through some past lives or whatever comes through you know, try to speak to my higher self if I have one. And I am, I am entirely open to this. I'm not going to be fighting you on it. I'm not going to be actively trying to resist being hypnotized. I, I really would like for you to give it your best shot, and I'll give it my best shot from my end. And let's see if we can get something come forward because I have never had any type of experience like this. And as far as I know, I never will. But I'm definitely open to the experience. Would you be willing to give it a shot? Yeah, let's make it happen. All right. Well, um, what do we got? We're sitting at one hour. Perfect. Well, let's end it on that. Um, This has been the 237 podcast. And we'll see you next time where it sounds like I'm going to be getting hypnotized. Everybody have a great week. And hopefully we'll get all of these posted real soon. And Get this podcast on the online. Well, and we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Two oh, weeks. yeah. True. Yep. True. True. Got the yep, sister's wedding going. coming up next week, so yep. that'll give us some time to prepare and um, do the hypnosis. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. Can we all yeah. bring questions? Yeah. You, you better. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're gonna do it with this crap. Okay. Yep. All right, guys. Bye. See you next time. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>